You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. I have started this new thing. Well, I've told Grace about this already, but I, I feel like I need to give you an update. So I started playing Stardew Valley. Right. And it's amazing. And Matt and I are crushing this farm. When I tell you we are crushing this farm, this farm doesn't even know what's happening to it. But we're doing really well. But here's the thing. One of the reasons I like Stardew Valley, if you aren't familiar with this, guys, it is a video game. It's like a combination of like The Sims meets like um, Minecraft. So like building and crafting things and having a farm. But there's also social elements to it. So there's townspeople you could interact with. And there's <laughs> drama like... You know, we, we found out about, like, a secret affair that's happening and, like, Ooh. all this stuff. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Well, Matt and I are playing a multiplayer game. And even in the multiplayer game, the townspeople will kind of interact with you and try to start making deeper relationships with you. And it's so funny being in the game with Matt and these characters are, like, like, I had this whole cutscene with this this guy character who's, like, alone at, like, a dock, and he was trying to, he was, like, really sad. He offered me a beer, and he was talking about, there's not just women like me out there. And I'm like, I am spoken for, good sir. Don't it's, kids it's, play this game? Um, I think they do, but it's not, I wouldn't say it feels too adult at all. Yeah. But it definitely is, you know, in that realm. Like, you can get hearts with characters. And, like, as soon as you get a certain number of hearts, you can, like, propose to these people or ask them to go out with you or ask them to move in with you. Like, the whole thing. So, yeah. That's amazing. That would be, like, my number one goal of the game is to get married. Because I feel and like I-, I always try and do that in games. Like, I played Skyrim <laughs> for so long because someone told me that you can get married in Skyrim you can. and have, like, your own little house and everything. And I did all the romantic quests or whatever. It should have gotten me someone, and it didn't, and it didn't work I out. I know. Yeah, I I never got married in Skyrim because you, you have to get married to your companion, mm-hmm. the person that, like, follows you around and helps you and stuff, and I always found her so freaking annoying. She always I never got a companion. Oh, you have, yeah, there's a quest to get a companion, and then when you get the companion, then all the romantic quests pan out to marriage. And then there's, like, a bunch of different companions you can get. So if you don't like the first companion, you can, like, wait around until you get a companion that you like. I see. Can you get gay married in Skyrim? I think you can. Yeah. I think Hmm. you can. Well, yeah, you definitely can because the first companion you get is Lydia. And the game was, like, pushing Lydia on me. And I'm like, Lydia pisses me off. I am not marrying Lydia. She ruins all of my quests. And I'm always, like, dying. And Lydia's over, like, like, holding my loot, like. 500 yards away like well i never even got there i don't know i (laughs) guess i was looking in all the wrong places but that's okay interesting this is why we were meant to be friends in college but it just didn't happen right well well anyway that's basically all i've been doing is playing stardew valley and fending for my life out there (laughs) from all your suitors all of my suitors in town yeah and then there's this girl named i think her name is emily I, like, gave her something for another guy because he was too shy to give it to her. And she thought I gave it to her. And so she's like, oh, my God. And, like, our hearts went up. And I'm like, I'm taken. I'm taken. But does it actually allow, like, two real people to be together in the game? Or do you have to marry, like, an NPC? Oh, okay. It does. But there's – so if you're playing, like, a single-player game, there's a different way to go about it. And, like, there's certain items you craft and gift them to the person to kind of initiate it. And then in a multiplayer game – it's different items that you can do to craft in between multiplayer, like you and like, so me and Matt are playing. So we're gonna, we like live in the same house, sleep in the same bed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I, can, interesting. I can't play any of those games. I get too stressed no. out with the idea of having to do chores. So those games, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like it. No, no, no. Right. You wouldn't like it. Every morning it's like, Matt's like, okay, I'll take the craps and you feed the animals. I'm like, all right. No. <laughs> I have my own real life chores that hover over my head all day. So. I know. That's enough for me. Um, Anyways, this is our video game (laughs) review podcast, also known as Two Girls, One Crossword. I'm Grace Topinka. I'm Chelsea Ron. This is your favorite weekly pod word, Crosscast. We're back again for another week. That's the week element here. It happens. Were we here last week? No, we kind of took a week and a half off. We did. It has been crazy. Yeah. So, 
what can you what can you do life finds a way in the words of the late great well he's not late but i like to say late great and what's his name the guy who's Jeff weird Oldblum? thank you does he yeah. say that line is that his line life uh in, no in jurassic park like that's his character's Line. I think I'm try. I was like repeating the line to myself to try and remember because Matt rewatched Jurassic Park recently. I think it's him. I think well, it is. But I, I guess there's no way to ever know. There really is never a way to know. <laughs> um, shall we get into our poll of Palooza from last week? Yeah. What did you? What kind of poll did you run? I asked everyone on Twitter, "What's your relationship?" To ping pong, since ping pong was my topic last week. Right. And choices were: I've actually competed. I had slash have a table at my house. I've played casually and I've never played. And while 89% of the vote voted for I've played casually, I think at least like one person voted for I'd, I've actually competed. We <gasps> have a professional or like competitive ping pong player in our Twitter followers. So that's pretty exciting. That's kind of exciting. That's really exciting. If I met someone and they were like, oh, yeah, I've played competitive ping pong. That's like such a fun little nugget to just drop in conversation. I know. I need something like that. Because I feel like saying you have a podcast is dime a dozen anymore. No, you know no, what I mean? no one has a podcast. You got to I'm like weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that the topic of our podcast is pretty unique. People seem to be surprised by that, but still. Right. We should. This is why we need to get into Olympic curling. Yes, I think we really could get into curling. I feel like we've talked about this. Yeah, I feel like as far as if my <laughs> goal was to like play in the Olympics, that is the sport that I would have to go into at this point. I think that's the only one I could really like train for right. and get good at. Exactly, because I mean, compared to other Olympians, like the curlers, while they're in shape, aren't like in shape in the way Michael Phelps is in shape or like... Right. I mean, not to like diss the Olympic curlers out there. They are very talented. I'm not saying I'd be able to join the Olympics next year. I'm saying if I spent like <laughs> years dedicated to curling, I think yes. I could get pretty good at it versus like, it's not going to happen for swimming. I mean, no, it just ain't no. going to happen for me. <laughs> we, we are well past our due date on those and gymnastics out of the question. Yeah. As much as I was meant to be a gymnast, it's just not happening. Right. So at this point, mistakes have been made. It's not a path for us. It's fine. It's fine. I love the idea of curling, by the way. I've never I've done it this, before. I had this thought. Oh, speaking of the Olympics and things that... Anyway, did you see the TikTok that I liked about the, the Chinese team synchronized swimming? No. When you go into our likes, look for that. And it, it like makes me think of what you and I are going to be like when we're at like a public pool in Chicago or something. Why? <laughs> like This shows their routine. It's amazing. There's silver routine. I'm like, this is silver. I think Russia won gold that year. And I'm just like, I can't. I Synchronized swim swimming is insane. I don't know how they do it. I know. Like, it really looks like they can just like step up in water. But they're trying. Right. I don't know. That, and that's this is like what I thought hole. I was doing when I was eight years old in my right. pool. <laughs> that's know? another thing. that See, I, I can't do that. Even if I did synchronized swimming for like 10 years, I would never get to that level. No. Curling, on not... the other hand. Curling. Curling. I feel like 10 years could get me pretty far. I think. You could go all the way. Yeah. You got to trust yourself. That's like, a, that's like once, I've, <laughs> once I've hit all my goals like right now, that's like a couple decades from now. It's like, you know what? I really want to be in the Olympics. <laughs> She's never going to stop, guys. She's going to go and go and go. Achieve, achieve, achieve. I love that for you. Well, I'll be cheering you on. I can be your coach. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I guess we can go into our hits and our shits, right? Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go I'll first? Go. I, I, I'll go first. It's fine. All right. <clears throat> the Friday, September 9th, New Yorker by Shandy Dietmer. The theme was called book binding. So I want to talk a little bit about the theme. The revealer was 68 across. With 69 and 70 across, get to the point. Or what you'll need to do with some of the answers in this puzzle? Question mark. This was a rebus puzzle. So there were, I think, four rebuses throughout the puzzle related to this clue so the full answer you know 68 with 69 and 70 across was long story short or like mm -hmm. what was it make a long story short or something like that and so essentially the rebuses were types of stories in one square 
For example, Ooh. 13 across, cry from an eager student say was pick me, pick me, which is a great answer. But the hidden rebus is epic. So in one square, the word epic okay. was. So make a long story short. So taking that story and squishing mm -hmm. it into one square. Amazing. 42 across. They will lead to the blue screen of death, and the answer was fatal errors, and the story was tale, T-A-L-E. 60, or sorry, 46 across. Scientist who said, if you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you'll you must first invent the universe, and the answer is Carl Sagan, and then the type of story was saga. And there might have been one more, but I only have three here. There might have only been three, um, but that was the theme. And others from this puzzle that I liked. I thought this was so interesting, and it's an amazing name, speaking of sports and things. Uh, Ada Cross, countries whose women's national soccer team is called the Black Queens. First Ooh. of all, how amazing is that? And this is Ghana, so that is their, it's that's not their amazing. official name, but that's what they're called, the Black Queens. I'm like, that's amazing. Um, and then 33 Across, type of condor or cock of the rock, first of all incredible clue but this is a bird clue i just love cock of the rock because i'm a 12 year old child but the answer is andian and the reason i put this in there and the reason i knew this is because i play wingspan which is a bird game board you tell game. them a bird <laughs> game birds. board game <laughs> yeah so it's a board game about collecting birds and it's amazing and if you're interested in playing it i can play it hard top on my table, or I have the digital version on Steam. So do with that what you will. And then the last two is 22 down, animal whose vertebrae can be a foot long. This was wild to me to think about, but a giraffe. I mean, it makes sense, but like, it just seems like it would be so like long, like a foot yeah. long vertebrae. I mean, to think that their neck is like all spine basically with like a throat and stuff of course but even like thinking that their throat is that long giraffes i feel like if you looked at like animals and you're like which one of like if you hadn't gone to earth yet and you're like which one of these animals is fake you would be like there's no way that's real like well, yeah and we just like a, accept a child that real. It. yeah <laughs> uh and the last one from this puzzle was 29 down in quotes wrong and the answer was guess again like guess again buddy nice and that's what I have from that puzzle. Well, I did the, I only did New Yorkers this week as, as my usual, but I did the Monday, September 11th New Yorker by Natan Last. Um, 17 across, gossipy opening. The answer was I hear, like I hear that so-and-so. Um, 23 across, two and a million question mark. And the answer was L's because there's two letter L's in million. 30 down, results of some cuts below the belt, question mark. And the answer was ripped jeans. Right. Uh, 47 across, modern day fighting words. Catch these hands. I love that one. <laughs> um, 27 down, undercover boss, question mark. And the answer was blanket hog. I loved that clue too. And the answer, so good. Yes. And then 44 is Mouse and 44 down, Blank the Man, 2006, Amanda Bynes rom-com. And it's, of course, she's the man, but I just liked seeing it in there. We should watch that. We should put that on our uh, to-watch list. Yes, we should. I remember thinking that movie was so funny, like, when it first uh, right? came out. Hilarious. And it was like, oh, of course she she's able to, like, pretend to be her brother. And I'm like, I look back now and I'm like, wow. It's like... The hair and makeup is just wild. So funny. Yeah. The wig is hilarious. I loved that movie. I loved Amanda Bynes. I know. I hope she's doing okay. I know she's going through it. Yeah. Well, it had to do with soccer, too, that film, right? So. Yeah. I liked that because I was playing soccer. So I was like, oh, my God. You were just like her. I know. Same with, like, Bend It Like Beckham, which I heard was supposed to have, like, was supposed to not be straight. It was supposed to be gay, but it ended up being straight i don't know if that's true or if that's just something i read online but did you ever see bennett like beckham yes I've, i have seen that discourse before that like the two characters should have ended up together she's the man has some queer themes too the same way mulan does where it's like you know you know what i mean oh yes oh yes oh yes it's amazing well we have to get we have to get where we are somehow mm -hmm. um i also did the natan last puzzle 
Um, I also liked 15 Across, rhetorical plea in the face of dissonant reality. Make it make sense. It was a full spanner. I really liked that. And then three down, agitate in a way, stir the pot. I feel like I'm constantly stirring the pot. It's like You, you love to do that. I, I, do, I really do. Um, I'm going to take us over to the New York Times. The Wednesday, September 13th New York Times by Guillerme Gilioli, which is an incredible name. Uh, I liked this theme from this puzzle. The theme had to do with paradoxical answers. So, for example, 19 across, paradoxical answer to, quote, what is golf in the NATO alphabet, end quote? And that's with a question mark. And the answer was, gee, I don't know. <laughs> so nice. these themes, these uh, clues and answers follow that uh, theme. 27 across, paradoxical answer to, can you say what niet is Russian for? No, let me think. 42 across, where does oil come from? Well, you got me. And then 50 across, what isle is located between Ireland and Great Britain? Man, you got me or something. I think I copied one of these wrong, but it was kind of like that. Yeah, which that's amazing. Funny. Yeah, very good. These people are so clever. I know, right? I'm like, I feel like those, those are things that, you know, if I was into puns mm-hmm. and thing like wordplay like that, it'd be over for you guys. I'm not, because I feel like you have to be really quick on your feet for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I have a friend who's really into wordplay, and he he would hit you with something like this just in casual conversation. Well, that's be like, the good part is we can steal it from the crosswords just to have in our pocket for you're right. you know, casual use, like non-commercial use, of course. She's... <laughs> Not trying to really steal, but I think it's okay if we use it in a conversation, a private conversation. She's using her noggin here. I agree. We are not, we do not plan to copyright this. What else you got? I did the September 12th New Yorker by Anna Schechtbin. Um, 15 across. Technophobes concession, maybe. Dumb phone. Oh, A technophobe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 31 across. This one, like, slipped me up, and then I was like, oh, duh, the clue was treasure. So I was thinking of, like, gold, whatever, and the answer was adore, like, treasure, the verb. Um, To go back to your previous clue, do you know anybody in your life who's a technophobe? I feel like I've met a couple people. My, well, I don't know if he's really a technophobe, but I do have a cousin who's more, like, uncle age. He does not have, he, like, has never had a cell phone. That's crazy. Is that crazy to think about? Yeah. Yeah. But have you also seen the the movement with um gen z where they're like ditching smartphones and getting dumb phones like flip phones and stuff i think that's great yeah it's like part of like the luddite thing i, I can't right. remember i mean i don't know, think it needs to go to that extreme but i do feel like the if like we're lucky when social media kind of started like as we're growing up but i feel like growing up your whole life with social media is so bad for your like self-esteem uh I can't imagine. It was. It's bad for our self esteem for the li- little amount of time we had it in like high school. You know what yeah. I mean? And even then, when we had it, it wasn't like you know it was MySpace and Facebook, which wasn't all around all the time. It was only right. when you were on your computer. Now everyone has right. that like constantly on their phone, and people update way more. Like we would take pictures like if we were hanging out with some friends and like post it in an album on Facebook. But even before, oh my god, it's just no, different now. It's like so much more invasive, and it's just everywhere. I know. I know. And you're and, you have access to it from such a young age, such right. a young age. Like people are, the like kids are getting phones much earlier than we ever did, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. So, I'm. I feel like it's great. I do kind of. I'm hoping like that'll be like they'll eventually we'll get to a breaking point where, like, the generations below us are just like, okay, we're just not going to like people are too addicted to their phones, and we have to like you do know, something about go yeah. kind of the other way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> speaking of addiction, 27 across, some nicotine <laughs> consumers. And the answer is vapors. Yes. Um, 32 across, spot for one's first period, perhaps. And the answer is homeroom. Homeroom. 63 across, friend of Dorothy, question mark. And the answer was the tin man. But friend of Dorothy is also a euphemism to describe a gay person. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that was the play on words there. Unless oh, I'm missing cool. something, but that's what I picked up. Um, five down going, excuse me, five down going rate question mark abbreviation and it's MPH. Nice. Um, 10 down reality show that could literally be called trash TV 
Storage Wars. Storage Wars, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Seven Down, Fifth Element, Boron. That's like the actual Fifth Element. Unless, oh. <laughs> is Boron in the movie Fifth Element? I don't know. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. But I think it's, if it if it is, it's a double layer. So, right. pretty good. If it's pretty not, good. though, then it's also funny because. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still at the New York Times. Thursday, September 4th, New York Times by Vasu Saralathan, 17 across. This was part of the theme, which, to be completely honest with you, I think went over my head. I even read the descriptions on Diary of a Crossfeed and Rex Parker, and I was like, whatever. I mean, I get it to a point, but I think there's more going on that I might be missing. But anyway, I liked this clue and answer independent of the theme. 17 across, where students may be plotting. Math class. Nice. Right. And then 12 down numeral on numeral, I should say, on some sundials. And the answer is I, 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 I. And this was down in the puzzle. So just have a, a row of eyes in the puzzle, which was really fun. But also I didn't realize I learned years ago when I was on vacation that on clocks in times in like town squares or like on sundials, they don't put the IV to mean four. They'd put four mm-hmm. eyes to make it easier for common people to read the clock. Oh, right. I feel like I have, I like learned that at one point, but then forgot. But yeah, that is true. Yeah, you learn it on like a walk. If you're in like a walking tour of like a random city and there's a beautiful, you yeah. know, bell tower, they're usually like, and if you look up here, you'll see that it says I, 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 I instead of IV for four. Um, and then I'm going to end on just as a little shout out to last episode where we had, if you haven't heard, spoiler alert, I redid a topic that we had already covered because things happen. It was wild. Uh, 41 across creator of the nine circles of hell. And the answer is Dante, which is the topic Grace did. And then I did last week well grace did that years ago i think at this point or yeah. like at least a year ago yeah and i did the seven sins which if you know anything about dante you know that he goes hand in hand with the seven sins so it was a redo by accident but yeah that's that's well, all i have for puzzles i have one more the wednesday september 13th new yorker by amy lucido of course it's amy so we'll get of a course of great ones um 20 across eric blank aka harry houdini a topic that i did also <gasps> just a personal interest since i do love magic and it is eric weiss weiss amazing um 25 <clears throat> across jokey question in response to a statement that may have nothing to do with money in this economy which you and i say all the time <laughs> 40 across has a more profound effect than usual in modern parlance. Parlance. It's different. Oh, that's so good. Oh my God. I really do love Amy's Amy's so good at at doing that. She'll take like a really common phrase and then have like a very academic way of defining it. Yes, it's amazing. 50 across surf and turf sorts question mark. And the answer was amphibians. Nice. And then 35 down, big-headed collectible, Funko Pop. I just thought that was fun. I love how Funko Pops are our big-headed collectibles. Because if you had put that in a puzzle, let's say, 20 years ago, it would be bobblehead would be the answer. Right. Did anyway. I ever do a topic on bobbleheads? I feel like I almost, I definitely researched bobbleheads for a while. I don't know if you did. I don't think life. you did. I must have given up halfway through. The closest thing to that you did is mascots, which is one of the best topics you ever covered, if I, if I do say so myself. Right. Grizzy, is that his name? Uh, um, something like that. <laughs> and then the last one I have is one across from the puzzle, the opener. Article sometimes written well before it runs. And that's the obit. True. True. Big if true. We should write our own obits. We should. them every year. That's right. Just in case. I'll just and keep it with your, where you store your will with your lawyer. Be like, here's my obit. I've just updated it. Added a couple of new achievements. You don't need to store a will with a lawyer. You can literally just write a will and sign it. No, I know. But just FYI to people out there. If you're like, oh, no, that's too much work. You can go online and like fill something out. 
That's true. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have a lawyer or you don't want one, I don't blame mm-hmm. you either way. It just needs to be written. Right. And you People need to be holding like, it as you advantage. die. I'm just kidding. <laughs> People can take advantage of it though. Anyone could die at any moment. Don't you know it's that? That's true. I do know. I do know. Um All right. Speaking of that positive topic, <laughs> shall we flip the coin? Oh, somebody take this microphone away from me. I just say crazy things when it's when I got it in front of me. Uh, yeah, let's let's flip the coin. I'm flipping the coin now. Tell me. Wow, I feel like I haven't started in a while. Little you. Let me get a little drink here to wet my whistle. You said surf and turf, and now I want steak and shrimp. I'm At this hour. For it. At this hour. Yeah. It's your fault. I can't believe you've done this. Um, okay, my topic comes from the September 11th New Yorker by Natan Last. 13 Down, Elizabeth Pomada and Michael Larson book subtitled San Francisco's Resplendent Victorians. You will literally never believe it, but I did the same exact topic. Wait, that's your, that's your topic too? It oh is. my god. All right, well. Well... After oh. doing the same one last time, <laughs> or ever repeat, now you're the same one. That's okay. Well, the answer, That's everyone, gonna... for yes. all those wondering, is the Painted Ladies. Painted Ladies. I can't believe we're both doing Painted Ladies, but here we are. Um, I think we're just since on the same page, people. We are. Same wavelength. We have similar interests sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Grace might not like sim farming chore video games, but we both are interested in the Painted Ladies, so... Yeah. Do with that what you will. Well, I, I mean, we haven't even said what the painted ladies are. Although oh, it's true. <laughs> a lot of people know it yeah. is one of the most photographed sites in San Francisco. Have you been there? I have not been to San Francisco. No, I have, and I have a picture in front of the painted ladies myself. Maybe wow! Wow! Um, but the painted ladies are that San Francisco famous group of seven houses. They're all lined up in a row. They're all Victorian-style houses. Um, it's in front of Alamo Square Park, which is a very popular slash probably famous park in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And they're all painted a different color. Yes. And painted ladies. If you're like me, the first time you were exposed to them was during the opening sequence of Full House, where the Tanner family has a picnic in Alamo Park in front of the painted ladies. They're in the background. And... Contrary to popular belief, the Tanner family does not live in one of the painted ladies. It's true. It's true. Houses. They don't live on that street. They live in another Victorian style house. A couple streets over, you can go to that actual, like when you're in San Francisco, you can go to the actual house. Um, but it's not the painted lady. Which is funny because I like from the articles, and I'm sure you've read the same thing during your research, but like people will like shout things, like drunk people will be like walking down the street and shout like D- Uncle DJ and like they were not Uncle DJ, um, Uncle Jesse, Uncle Jesse and things like that, like going down the street or like, you know, I read that uh, a mom went up to one of the women that lived there and was like, can you please pretend to be Grandma Tanner for when my daughter wakes up? And like, you know, all that stuff because yeah. people are, you know, it's it just is what it is. It's so iconic and so connected to Full House, especially for our generation, I think. Right. But it's like, if you're that big of a fan, then go to the actual house. It's only a few blocks away. Right. If you knew, if you really knew, you wouldn't be here. True If fans. you really knew, you would know that the Tanner house has a red front door. <laughs> um, okay. And do you see any red front doors in any of the pictures of the painted ladies? No. Um, so why are there, you know, the Tanners live in a Victorian house, a couple mm-hmm. of houses down the block. Why are there so many Victorian style houses in San Francisco? There are a lot. So. From what I gathered in my research, between the years of 1849 and 1950, approximately 50,000 houses of both the Victorian and Edwardian styles were built in San Francisco. That's crazy. So apparently, like, so this is something I didn't know, and we can go into it a little bit more, but when I thought of Victorian houses, I thought that was a style of architecture. It's not. It's an era of architecture. And so, you know from the beginning of Queen Victoria's reign until the end of her reign in 1901. Houses built during that time were called Victorian houses. And then after 1901, when King Edward became the king, it became Edwardian era of architecture. But there's multiple styles of architecture within those time periods. 
Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so why were so many houses built in San Francisco within that time frame? That's an insane amount. It was because of the gold rush in 1849. So San Francisco before that was pretty small city. It only had like 800 people living there. Then after the gold rush, the population shot up to 25,000 in just one year. And then That's it crazy. kept growing after then. But people were really, were newly rich now and they wanted to show off how rich they were. Yeah. So these Victorian and Edwardian houses were perfect for that because, you know, people just wanted to build like super ornate houses that showed off their wealth. It's wild. I, to th- you know, like, I feel like we know about the gold rush, gold rush, like through high school, right? Or just like mm-hmm. general American culture and history. Like, we know about the gold rush. But to think of like how much it affected some areas on the West Coast, the fact that it grew so quickly in just a year's time is kind of unfathomable to me. You know, it's like, yeah. what if Chicago's population in a year doubled, tripled even? Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's an extreme example, but, like, we don't really have places that can have populations double and triple that quickly anymore, but it's kind of no. crazy and just to think the, about. like, 50,000 houses were built over a period of, like, 25 years. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I um, found there's a quote from a news article uh, from 1885 talking about these new houses that were being built, and the colors that they were being painted because it's very historically accurate that Victorian and Edwardian houses would be painted in sort of vibrant colors or rather more vibrant than what we know of today. Um, And so this is the quote, red, yellow, chocolate, orange, everything that is loud is in fashion. If the upper stories are not of red or blue, they are painted up into uncouth panels of yellow and brown, end quote. So if you're hanging around San Francisco during the time of the gold rush and you're walking around, you're going to see houses of this color. Um, a lot of, you know, when you're going through any neighborhoods in Chicago or any neighborhoods where you're from and you see Victorian or even Edwardian houses, potentially, and you see these colorful houses, it's not historically inaccurate for them to be painted these vibrant colors. I do think that a lot of the Victorians we have in our area that are painted up in these crazy colors while it's historically accurate that they would be painted in these crazy colors, it the colors that I think people are picking nowadays are not necessarily always historically accurate. And I think that goes the same goes for um, the painted ladies in San Francisco. But before we move into the painted ladies in San Francisco, one of the things that I was questioning about or interested about during my research is the architectural style of the Victorian and Edwardian houses. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said before, I didn't realize, I thought a Victorian houses... I thought that was a style. I thought Edwardian was a style. It is an era. Each of these are eras, Mm -hmm. and then multiple types of architecture could have happened within those eras. But um, let me see. I wanted to talk about, like, some overview, some, like, simple, like, little features that you can look for when you're looking at old houses to kind of tell, like, is this Edwardian? Could this be Victorian? So Victorian houses, generally speaking... Uh, is a house built during the reign of Queen Victoria, which is just wild to me that that's why it's called that. Like, obviously it's called mm-hmm. that because of that, but it's very interesting to me. Um, and uh, so even though it's considered a Victorian house, it could be technically of any style. For example, in the 1840s and 1850s, Regency style was really popular. And then there was a Gothic revival uh, in the 1880s. So those are architectural styles that happened within the Victorian era. So you could technically have a Regency style house that is a Victorian because it was built during the reign of Queen Victoria, mm-hmm. which is confusing because I don't know anything about Regency style or Gothic revival or anything really to do with architecture. Um, but there are some common features that you might see of American Victorian houses. We're just going to talk about American Victorians because it's a whole different story across the sea some common features most of them if not all of them are two to three stories they've got gabled roofs round towers uh, turrets uh, dormers complex roof lines gingerbread trims which i didn't realize that was the name for it but i thought that was really cute that it's called gingerbread trims Um, Mm -hmm. it makes me want it to be christmas the weather is getting crisper here and so it's like fall feeling like 
the end of the year. Okay, well, well, hold on. We haven't even gone to Halloween yet. I know, I know, I know, I know. I really am excited for Halloween, too, but it's just crisp. The crispness in the air. Anyway, gingerbread trims. Uh, they create embellishments around the house. Stained glass is another, you know, common feature. Bright paint colors, wraparound porches, and spindle work. So that's kind of some typical features you might see of a Victorian house. Well, uh, can I also add bay windows? Oh, yes. And notable asymmetry. Yes, which... When you see, like, a big, beautiful Victorian, they are very impressive. And they're very big, yeah. too. Mine, okay, Victorian houses are not popular all in Florida. I mean, <laughs> for obvious reasons, just, like, not a lot of houses are built out of that material. But there was one house in my neighborhood that was brick, red brick, which is not common at all in Florida. Everyone has, like, the concrete or stuff. Mm-hmm. It was red brick Victorian house, <laughs> just, like, randomly in my neighborhood. That's crazy. So we would always, like ride our bikes be like let's meet at the victorian house Ugh. and then i actually knew someone that i went to high school with whose family moved and they lived in that house but we never became friends unfortunately enough for me to be like can i get you a never door? got to go in yeah there are so many victorians um where i grew up like whole just towns filled with them and my dad is a contractor so we would get to go into some of these houses and you could see like here's the maid's passageway and like here's like these small little like one of the cool things about them is the rooms are set up in a way that they would never be set up today when you yeah. buy a house. They're like smaller, there's doors everywhere. It's it has it's a perfect that place to be haunted. It, well, yeah, exactly. That's the next thing is perfect for spooky season. So Edwardian houses. So they were popular from about nineteen oh one to nineteen ten, because that was the reign of King Edward. Uh, And similar to Victorian houses, Edwardian refers to a period rather than a style. Uh, And in many ways, homes built during the Edwardian period are very similar, look very similar to the Victorian houses, although they're a little less ornate. I think that's the thing Mm -hmm. that kind of really changed from Victorian to Edwardian is that these houses were still being built in Regency or Italianette or whatever you know, Gothic revival, but they were a little less ornate. So some common features of an Edwardian house would be fewer external decorative details, lighter paint colors. So they might be still painted a pink, but a lighter pink. Uh, Typically, they're between 1,500 and uh, 3,000 square feet. So um, not only were they moving away from like ornamentation, but they were also more modest in size. So you have these big, grand Victorians and Edwardians. Not that Edwardians aren't also big. I think that's still a lot of space, especially for people that live in apartments for the last 10 years. But mm-hmm. um, they're smaller than Victorians. Uh, stained glass, uh, built-ins is a big feature of Ed- Edwardians, which I think everyone in Chicago loves a good built-in. I'm sure everyone everywhere else likes yeah. a good built-in. Front and back parlors with pocket doors. I love pocket doors. Crown molding. Um, my dad actually just redid a house and they, he discovered sealed up pocket doors and he opened them up. And I was like, that is so cool that somebody had pocket doors and then somebody else came and rented it and covered them up. And my dad discovered them. That was very cool. Anyway. Yeah. So that's Edwardian houses. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I want to talk about what happened to some of these houses. Oh, there's maybe not as much as there used to be. And then get into like the the paint color yes situation so in 1906 there was an earthquake that destroyed about 80 percent of the city including most of the houses on knob hill which is like a rich area of san francisco Mm -hmm. so a lot of the really big houses were destroyed so the ones that survive are like the quote-unquote smaller more modest houses Mm -hmm. they're still pretty big yeah but like that's why you you will mostly find victorian houses in the south and west side of san francisco because of an earthquake Interesting. But but also, um, there was like, people just got sick of having these Victorian houses. 16,000 of them were demolished. Many were remodeled. So the Victorian decor was stripped off and covered with brick, stucco, or aluminum siding. If you're wondering, like, how could people do this? Just think of how all the remodelers who like take out beautiful built-in stuff, <sighs> like vintage tile and bathroom, and they paint real wood, they'd paint it white. And just like completely, they like add in sliding barn doors and they just take out any character of a house to like make it quote unquote more sellable. So 
Like, people were still doing that back then. And then afterwards, people were like, wait, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. It, it's, it's so much nicer to have character. It really is. And I think um, it's it's interesting to think, like, things like this always happen. This is not yeah. just, you know, we laugh about it now. Like, you know, somebody buys a beautiful house in Chicago and completely guts it and takes out all the charm. But, like, that's this isn't, like, a new concept you know, in the 21st right. century. This has been happening forever. Things go in and out of style. Houses are deemed sellable for various reasons, depending on what year you're buying a house in. Um, mm-hmm. But it is really sad to see, like, a beautiful Victorian just gutted and painted white. You're like, why? Right. Why? Well, about the paint, one, there is a myth that, like, <gasps> before the painted ladies, all these Victorian houses in um, San Francisco were painted white and it was like a white city and that mm-hmm. is just not true obviously Chelsea talked about how it was very common for them to be painted like red yellow brown stuff mm-hmm. like that so that's just a myth that I've heard about a San Francisco myth. a myth it's not true but there is like some truth to everything being painted kind of a boring color because during World War One and World War Two, the trends of paint color started changing and people were painting their houses like various forms of gray because they were using um, it was called battleship gray they were using uh surplus paint from right. the war right which so is just so, so interesting yeah, yeah it's so interesting but i can't imagine what it to go from such a vibrant city to then go to like gray gray, gray always comes like you know there's millennial gray like gray yep. has a chokehold on people like no i need it to be neutral but exactly yeah um but this all changed in <gasps> 1963 when san francisco artist butch cardam decided to paint his Victorian house bright green and bright blue. And of course, Amazing. people were like shocked when They're he like, did this. Like, That's so ugly. Da, da, yeah. da. How could you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, joke's on them because people started asking him for advice and Cardam started working as a color consultant. Yes. And the colorist movement took off, really hitting its stride in the 1970s, turning San Francisco into what we know today with all of its very beautiful, brightly colored houses. Thanks to one man who dared to be different. He dared to be different. And that, so if you go back to the clue, which is Elizabeth Pomata and Michael Larson book subtitled San Francisco's Resplendent Victorians, the answer is Painted Ladies. So the book is called Painted Ladies, and it was released in 73, I think, or something like that. And it talks, 78, at 78 and it talks about the colorist movement, and it talks about, um, the painted ladies and how they kind of came back into style. And I think it was Butch and this book that really brought it into the consciousness of people. And people started redoing their Victorians along this line, not just in San Francisco, but right, but everywhere. Because everywhere. painted ladies isn't just those seven houses. Right. A painted lady is technically any Victorian or Edwardian architectural, a set of any Victorian or Edwardian, edwardian style homes that have at least three colors or more so there's painted ladies all over the world including some in i was trying to look to see like if there's any in places we've been there's none Mm -hmm. in illinois but there is some in cape may new jersey have you ever been there oh yes it's gorgeous there yeah so Um, there's painted ladies there and i feel like i found i see a ton of what if they were next to other victorians painted ladies in my neighborhood and all across Chicago, but it's, it's hard to get a whole set of them mm-hmm. to be painted because I think we'll talk about this, but I'll just say it. The the painted ladies in San Francisco are not a historical landmark, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but I think it's hard to, if you don't have like historical designation for a set of houses, it's hard to get everybody on board to do the same thing. Um, especially right. painting vibrant colors. We just talked about this. Gray has a chokehold on people. You walk past some gorgeous houses and they put stucco all over it or like mm-hmm. white siding and you're like, what is going on? And you're sit- sitting next to the most beautifully painted Victorian and you're like, if you guys could just get your crap together and all of you get painted up real nice, we'd have a beautiful set of painted ladies right here. Yeah. But yeah, they're not like historically designated, you know? So um, it's hard to regulate that or even... In- encourage it really you can't really force private property owners to do something they don't want to so no you can't um but why are these seven ones famous they're also known as the seven sisters Mm -hmm. or postcard row Mm -hmm. that and they are all over postcard san francisco postcards just any san francisco memorabilia in general you will see them often 
but why are the why do these ones stand apart from the other you know potentially other painted ladies in San Francisco? There might be other rows of them, right? Um, but there's seven, so that's a lot. But also mm-hmm. they're right across from a park, which yeah. gives ever you a really good view of them. Right. And then right behind is the San Francisco skyline. It's just, so it's the just skyline like, is so. If you're listening, go to Google and search these houses. I know you all know what we're talking about. You've all seen the picture, but re-look at it as we're talking to you about it. It's so obvious why these seven are so famous. And yeah, I wonder if like they would be such a tourist destination if it hadn't been for Full House. Honestly, um, just like years of seeing that iconic shot on your television, like every single day when you're watching Full House, you know, like. I don't know. Right. Question. I don't know. Well, but Full House did decide to shoot that scene there. So I feel like it was already. That's true. That's true. Well known, but maybe more well known in San Francisco, not necessarily outside of San right. Francisco. Right. Um, so, oh, yeah. Postcard row. Postcard row. Yeah. So the houses were built between 1892 and 1896. And this is, they were built in the Queen Anne style. So that's a different type of architecture style. Uh, and they were uh, built by developer Matthew Cavanaugh. He actually lived next door in the 1892 mansion at 722 Steiner Street. So these houses are from 710 to 720 Steiner Street across from Alamo Park in San Francisco. And I believe there's actually only six that were constructed. And the developer's house, Kavanaugh's house, is the seventh house on the row. Right. The seventh house looks slightly different than the others. Right. But that's why it's like the big sister. Exactly. bigger and not as like, the other ones look very almost identical basically exactly they're like very it's like copy paste just in totally different (laughs) colors and then the bigger mansion is like a little bit bigger um and it looks a little bit different um and other than featured in you know full house of course it has been these houses have been featured in media and mass-produced photographs of the city and it's also a huge tourist attraction it has been in approximately 70 movies uh and tv shows most iconically is the full house but also invasion of the body snatchers bicentennial man dirty harry the five-year engagement so i married married a mac an axe murderer and more (laughs) also mrs doubtfire was filmed a mile away so that's like another like little tie-in and then there are some famous films filmed in alamo square so i think like to your point grace like it probably was very like a tourist attraction before full house you know but i think Mm -hmm. full house is like on broadcast television in everybody's home rather than having to go see a film to see it but um yeah i want to know when did they start selling the puzzles when did they start selling the postcards you know like right someone get me in contact with the san francisco marketing team yeah their merch team yeah um i have some like fun facts that don't really have anywhere else to go but one of the houses was once owned by the color purple author alice walker that's in i thought this was an insanely funny tidbit (laughs) yeah and apparently her neighbors would complain that she played her music too loud (laughs) yes so she apparently would host like porch concerts or something but she played the same song over and over again and people complained about it did you read what song it was no Fast Cars, Tracy Chapman. Oh my Which God. I think is, imagine just hearing that song all night long, days in a row, and you're just like. I would, be, I would definitely be annoyed, but I'd also be like, but it's kind of funny. It's a mood, <laughs> right? She only plays that one song. <laughs> I was like, that is so funny. It's a great song, but yeah. Um, I also talk about like how much they've been sold for, you know, through <gasps> the market. Yeah, if you're one. looking. Yeah. So the most recent one um, was originally up for sale in 2010, and it was listed for $4 million, but it ended up selling for $3.1 million four years later. So apparently it was really hard for them to sell. I don't know why. I think, I mean, obviously they're very old homes, so maybe they have like a lot of issues you would need to fix Mm -hmm. outside of just buying the house. Right. Um, But for comparison, so it sold for $3.1 million in 2010. The former owner, Michael Shannon, paid $65,000 for it in 1975, which in today's currency would be $321,000. People weren't making as much money back then, but anyway, I can't they get too much into house prices and how much how crazy they are. But, yeah. um, okay, uh, in 2012, one sold for $2.38 2.3, 2. 
in 2001, one sold for 1.2 million, and then in 1998, one sold for 920,000. So that leaves two of the seven that have not been listed for sale in a very long time, mm-hmm. potentially ever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe they've been like passed down through families. I couldn't figure out. I'm like, are any of the painted ladies have been in like one family Generational, since they yeah. were built? I feel. I mean, I would never give that up. I know, but I. So we both read an article. I don't. There's. There's an article that I read. I don't know if you read this one exactly, but it still talks about the same family that we're about to just we're about to get into. Um, mm-hmm. And the man talks about how um, there's a period of time in San Francisco where that neighborhood was not good. And so people were mo- constantly moving out. And so all of the painted ladies were gutted and made into like multiple apartments. And then mm. now they've been bought back and all made into single family homes again. I don't know when that happened, but I think like Alamo Park was very dangerous. People were killed, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the surrounding areas. So I think it just wasn't the safest neighborhood for a period of time. So people moved out and then, you know, people start moving back in and change them back into single family homes, which could be another reason why they're hard to sell. Like to have a single family home kind of split up into like multiple units and then to have to reconvert it back to a single family home and then yeah. i can't even imagine like the type of like landlord special stuff that you could probably still find in right. these houses you know um so that could be a but reason why i mean broken up to different apartments that's great if you want to live full house style you have like five families living in one exactly house exactly that's like my dream, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, is to live in a giant house. I guess you could just live in an apartment building with a bunch of people you know, but... Well, yeah, we just have to get a three-flat and uh, yeah, have good. the second floor be the common area. Um, all right, so speaking of this person who owns the house, yes. all of the houses are privately owned. Like, they're all mm-hmm. private residences. You can't just, like, go into them. Um, they're not, you know, museums or anything. They're not historical landmarks, like Chelsea said. Right. Um, but there is one homeowner that does private tours, and Chelsea and I both read about him in an article yes. on the SF Chronicle by Peter Hartlob called San Francisco's Painted Ladies Are Iconic. Here's what it's like to own one of them. Yes. I also read an article from 2012 about the same house and the same family called Inside a Painted Lady by the Bold Italic on Medium. And like I said, it's from 2012. And I would love to start with that one because yes. the article from 2021 follows George. Mm-hmm. The article from 2012 follows Catherine, George's mother. So there's just right. a little bit of info that I wanted to give us about uh, Catherine first. Um, so it's, it's an interesting perspective to read the 2012 article and then to read the 2021 article and see if anything has changed. Um, the house was owned by Catherine and then passed to her son, George, when Catherine died. Um, in i think 2020 2021 she passed away anyway so we'll start with Catherine. her family this is the horsfall family Catherine horsfall mm-hmm. her family the horsfall family i'm not sure if it's horsfall or if it's her maiden family maiden name family they moved to san francisco in the mid 1800s uh and she bought her painted lady in the early 2000s um what i thought was interesting is Wait, that you mean early Wait, early 2000s? Yes. Okay. They bu- so her family bought the house in the early 2000s. They first lived in the Mission District, I believe. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had a big mansion over there in the Mission District in the mid-1800s. And then eventually she inherited that house, lived there, and then sold that because she wanted to downsize <laughs> and moved into a painted These are very lady. rich people. Yes. Right, exactly. Which is funny because uh, I believe her son, in like 1999 bid on one of the houses or 1998 one of the times when the mm-hmm. house went up he bid on the house and lost and he ended up moving a couple streets away and whatever and then a couple of years later it one of them went back up for sale and the mom bought it so yeah the housing prices that grace just ran down for you Catherine dropped that amount of coin on one of these houses so just just be aware anyway so the entire house the painted lady uh of is filled with passed down family antiques uh, and they turned their top floor which used to be maid's quarters into a tiny museum of sorts which i think is an interesting element of this particular tiny lady or sorry painted lady (laughs) tiny little painted lady so notable items from the collection it's like a testament to san francisco history which i think is really cool 
There's a ticket from the opening of the Golden Gate Bridge, a photo of the family's first house in the Mission District, uh, two generations of wedding cake tops, and I'm not talking about the figurines, the actual top layer of cake from the wedding cakes. From like hun- the 1800s. Hundreds of years old. Yeah, like insane. Um, a photo of people gathered in Alamo Square Park as the city burned in 1906 after the earthquake. Uh, and another of a woman cooking with her stove on the sidewalk from that same time period, because after the quake, you weren't legally allowed to use your stove indoors, but you could use your stove out of doors. So she just pulled the stove out and used it like in the park, which I thought was interesting. Um, there are dresses and blouses from the 1800s and a photo of Catherine's father who held the record for swimming the Golden Gate at the turn of the century, which I this thought is was definitely like a San Francisco family. <laughs> Right, exactly. They did it all. They did it all. And in 2012, George, Catherine's son, we'll talk more about George in a minute, he told the bold italic, quote, You know there are about a billion nicer houses in the city, a thousand times more gorgeous, but there's a curiosity about these houses, and it's funny because it didn't always used to be that way. They'd find bodies in the park. So yeah, like I said, before the 60s, the painted ladies weren't a thing at all. Mm And the area used to be pretty rough. Families would move in and out. The houses were chopped up into apartment. And then, you know, now we're back to single family homes. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where it starts for the Horsfall family. Right. Well, George, like, you know, like Chelsea said, um, George inherited the house from his mom. But he did live there with her for a while, too, from what I could gather so at first george and his mom you know they had this they had this museum but it was only open to like corporate groups or historians who wanted to come into the house but one day george was driving on the bay bridge and the lady driving in front of him paid his toll for him yes and george who was going through a hard time at you know at that time in his life he was his mom was sick he was taking care of her he was working a lot he was brought to tears from her kindness he was so moved that from, he says, from then on, if he ran into somebody at the park and they started talking to him, maybe they saw him come out of the house and, you know, they know he lived in that, he, they know he lived in that house. He would ask if they would like to come in and see the house and then would ask them to pay it forward, like do something nice for someone else mm-hmm. too. And he has since received more than a thousand letters from new friends he's met explaining what they did to pay it forward. Yes. So, it's amazing. I thought that's nice. Um, and then in 2021... I haven't checked to see if this is still going on today, but he created an Instagram for the house called at Blue Painted Lady House Tour. And he meets people most days outside of his house at 4 p.m. for tours. And there's, I don't know if it's a ticket or suggested donation of $20. I, I found the, the Instagram is active and he posts on it. I don't know if he's still right. doing the tours, but 2021 is not that long ago. And so I think he went yeah. viral a couple times on TikTok too, because he's got some TikToks pinned on his Instagram page. So yeah. Right. So he, you know, if you want, you can go see the tour. He says part of the money pays for like renovations on the house. Mm-hmm. Um, the author of this article did a tour of the house, of course, and um, he wanted to see what it was like to live in a house that basically has like a constant rotation of tourists that are outside taking pictures of your house. Wild. Saying stuff, you know, across the street, taking selfies. He was like, must be crazy to live here. You're like a fish in a fishbowl with people right. just coming by to see and you like sit on the people will come up to the houses and just sit on the steps and take photos like you know i don't think that's necessarily weird to like happen once in a while but like this is every single day strangers are coming up to your house taking photos sitting on your steps doing all sorts of things so it's kind of crazy to think about i think one of the reasons why people probably aren't buying these houses is they don't you have to be a special type of person to want to live in a house like that right like right well Um, The author said that the inside of the house has a lot of its original design and it's gorgeous. And did you, have you looked at pictures of the insides of these houses? It's amazing. They are, oh my God, it's beautiful. Like these fireplaces, these built-ins, it's just like, it's amazing. We should try to put in the the San Francisco article, the Chronicle article and the Bold Italic article. The Bold Italic one is from 2012 when the mother was still living there. And so it looks Mm -hmm. a little bit different than some of the more recent photos from, you know, a couple of years ago. So you guys can see what it looks like. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and then George has like his mom. He's, you know, he's continued to have the little San Francisco museum that you can see when you come to the house. But he also has an area with modern souvenirs that he's been given that all feature <laughs> the painted ladies. And he says his favorite is a Starbucks cup because it has a golden retriever outside of the house. And he has golden retrievers. Yes. So. I but like, 
Go ahead. The article talked about how it's it's crazy that like your house is just on everything. Well, yeah, and like you, there is a postcard or a painting or a, a puzzle or something where mm-hmm. somebody gave it to him because the photo that it was based off of or whatever had been snapped with him sitting on the front porch with his dog. So he has like a postcard or a puzzle or something completed with him on the front of it because someone had just taken a photo and then sold it to like some stock company or whatever, That's which amazing. is pretty funny. Although you can make a puzzle out of any image. So if you want to make a puzzle of your house, you can do that yourself. You can do it. Um, I thought this was interesting. In the article, they he talks about like they go upstairs and they're looking out of one of the front bay windows and he says it's extremely quiet. Like, it's because it's kind of dark, too. That's the thing about Victorian houses. Like, they're right. not bright and airy. It's, right. like, a lot of small rooms, not that many windows. Right. So, but he's, like, it's extremely quiet because it's made out of this thick redwood wood. <laughs> um, redwood walls. Yeah. And so, even though you're, like, looking out at people, they don't even see you and, like, you can't hear them. So, it's not as crazy as you would think. Right. Because it's, you know, you kind of are, like, invisible in a way. That's how he right. described it. Yeah. Oh, and in case you were wondering, Horsfall George lives in the light blue. Oh, right. Painted lady. I think With there's the dark blue trim. Yes, there's two green, two blue, one is lighter than the other. Definitely a pink, maybe a yellow, and I can't remember the, the last one. There might be like a like a tan or brownish one, something mm-hmm. like that. Which- I think Something I was surprised about when I was looking at pictures is I remember them being very vibrant. They're colored, but they're not like, I wouldn't say vibrant. Like, it's it's funny to me to think that people were up in arms about right. the paint. Because there's a Victorian in my neighborhood that is, like, basically painted this, like, dark black with this insane lime green trim. You know, mm-hmm. like, that is vibrant. You know, right. it really stands out. Whereas, you know... These houses are gorgeous, but I wouldn't say that they are in our stand to our standards. Like these are not crazy, crazy colors to paint your house. I think anybody could paint their house these colors. Right. I do wonder how often people change the paint up, though. They're like, you know, what? we're going to go with a purple theme. (laughs) I would love it if they had a purple one. I want to have a house where that can be painted like a fun color. Yeah, I know. You got to paint. You got to do something fun. Really Although do. it is very expensive to paint a house, so mm-hmm. it's not number one on my list of yeah. things to do. Right. Um, I'm going to end with a quote from the article. You can add on anything after, mm-hmm. but um, okay, there's a quote from that SF Chronicle article. It seemed like some kind of dark magic curse. Your home is on puzzles for sale at the San Francisco airport. Your home is on a Starbucks coffee cup. Your home is the backdrop for a potluck picnic on Full House reruns eternally. The receiving line of people in newly purchased Alcatraz sweatshirts aiming cameras at the front of your house will never end. But George doesn't see it that way. This is a quote from George in the article. I love meeting people, and I've met people all over the world. You'd be really setting yourself up for a miserable life if you didn't like people and bought one of these houses. It's a great icebreaker. If you meet somebody in the park, they all want to talk to you. So yes. could you handle having... I, I don't think I could. That would like, no. freak me out too much. No, I would get worried that people would become like obsessed with the house and like the people inside. Well, I agree. And I think you know it's different to be a guy and to like right. just go into a park and just talk to random people. That is... Yeah, I'm to invite like, people into your house, hell no. I'd only invite, like, old ladies, essentially. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, someone who I really think I could take in a fight. If if, if I needed if to. I don't really even trust this old lady, I, but I know I could take her out if I needed to. Um, I lo- One of the things that George says after he, they talk about this quote, like, I love people. So he talks about setting up this Instagram and, you know, bringing people to t- on tours and things like that. Um. Some of Horsfall's new friends include a Bavarian SWAT policeman who hosted Horsfall at Oktoberfest in Germany and a Belgian family who writes to him weekly. Like, these are the type of people that he's meeting. And, like, that's crazy. First of all, you're meeting people from all over the world because this is a huge tourist destination, you know. Um, In the Bold Italic article, Catherine said that there that was where I heard the anecdote of someone coming up to her being like, can you please be gran- Grandma Tanner for my daughter when she wakes up? And then another woman flew from Turkey and brought a like a, a, f- a completed puzzle of the painted ladies and gave it to Catherine as like a gift. It was like, I love Full House and I was I wanted to give this to you. I wanted to see the houses. And I'm like, this is crazy how much of like a chokehold these houses have on yeah. pop culture, just people all over the world because 
yeah, it's they're just some houses, just a row of seven sisters, just hanging out, living their life across from the park. Um, yeah, I feel like I'd rather live in my Victorian house, a little off the beaten path. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Because okay, what are the chances that any of them are haunted? I think unlikely because they're so. You know, any poltergeist that moves in is like this is too much for me. Around. Yeah. So if you're looking for like a haunted Victorian, you got to go a couple streets away. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be like a funny like uh, horror horror comedy is like in the Painted Ladies or you know just kind of like a poltergeist trying to move in to haunt. It's like the Painted Lady, and it's like a lady (laughs) covered in paint, but she's like a ghost. Yeah. Someone write movie that. I- movie ideas, people, for free. For Anyone free. can just take that and run with for it. For free. Yeah. But I think let's go to well, San Francisco and take a picture there. I and mean, you should share your San Francisco painted lady photo. I will. But, you know, like they, this is an issue that we ran into. And I actually read this in articles talking about if you want to go visit what you should do. You have to go at the right time of day because, I don't know, I think it's better to go in the morning because otherwise the sun is on the other side of the houses. Uh, and the houses are in shadow so unfortunately that is the deal with my picture so you want to go yeah i think if you go in the morning i think the houses face east don't quote me on that but okay good to know you know otherwise the lighting's all off and it's i'm gonna quote her on that i'm quoting her on that right now i'm sending it i (laughs) well when i went to san francisco i didn't see alcatraz and i would like to go there so Mm -hmm. i'd be down to go again have you seen the movie alcatraz no oh i have Anyway, that's mm-hmm. it. That's all I got for you. All right. Well, <laughs> that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yes. Um, if you live in San Francisco or you've been to the Painted Ladies, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls. Or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls. Or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. And meet us here another time, another day. We'll be back with more interesting trivia for you. And until then, keep curious and... If you live in the Painted Ladies, invite us over and we'll have lunch. Yeah. George, if you're listening. George, are you there? But until next time, our lovely listeners, we'll catch you later on the flip side. Bye. Bye.